Welcome to the Freeform Rock Podcast. This is your host, frickin' Mark Taylor. Grab a beard, stay a while, and we do anything. We go from all genres, man. We go from brand to brand and Metallica. So party on, dude. Welcome to the Freeform Rock Podcast. Today we have our special guest on today, Andrew Jacobs. He's a regular. Say hi, Andrew. Hi, Mark. Uh, hi, uh, Rock. I'm sorry, Freeform Rock Podcast listeners. Yeah, today we're going to do one of my favorite bands again. Uh, an underrated album by Rush called Carous of Steel from 1975. This is an album which a record company got pissed at them and said, hey, you guys need to make shorter fucking albums because this ain't selling. And he said, fuck you, record company. We made 2112. They went and made 2112, which became their landmark album, which fucking gave them their fame, man. They fucking did give in. They didn't do shit. They did what they wanted to do. They thought this was fight or die. This is our last. This will be our last album. We're going to make what we want. Fuck the record company. But I have one thing to say in a rant. Today I was on the Dr. Fuck show just going in there supporting him. And I got gang banged by Justin Childers, Ian, Dr. Fuck, and anybody else who was on that chat room. I w and Terrence. Terrence came on there and fucking started giving me shit. He said, well, my podcast is doing better than yours. Show me screenshots. And I showed him screenshots. I got over 1,300 downloads, you fucking dick. And fuck, you got 103. Well, that's my new podcast. I go, dude, calm down, man. And then fucking Dr. Fuck and Ian started going off on me. You know, I love you guys. You guys can fuck me, fucking razz me all you want. I don't care. But you guys, you guys do tell the truth. And I will still listen to your podcast. But you guys were dicks to me today, and you know it. All right, that's all I had to say. So how are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing pretty well. Um, you know, I think uh, I think one of the things that uh, may have contributed, well, may, at least this is just uh, speculation on my part, but one of the things that may have contributed to uh, uh, Dr. Fuck and uh, Ian getting on your case is they might be a bit butthurt that uh, Van Hagar is going to be reuniting next year. I saw that. You put that on my page. I already read that from Brian Schaefer from the Mojo Dojo. That's from the Roth, uh, Roth, Roth Army. Army. Yeah, yeah um, and he says that usually is true, and Mitch LaFon has been saying that they were going to get back together in 2017. You know what? Fuck yeah, Michael Anthony's going to be back in the band. Yeah. And I love fucking Van Hagar. I saw them six times. I saw Roth once with, Daily, with Van Halen, and they're fucking awesome. But fuck, I do love the Van Hagar songs. I don't care what anybody says. They're a fucking Journey cover band or whatever. Fuck, I love Van Hagar. That's all I yeah, say about I, it. I, I like them too. Um, you know, to be perfectly honest, I would I'd go see them with Hagar and uh, Michael Anthony. I would, I would absolutely go see them. Fuck yeah, I hope they make a new album and it hits number one again so fucking Dr. Fuck will shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Ralph. You know, you call me a poser. I'm not a fucking poser. I do say what I want to say, and you told me to fucking be myself today, so I fucking went off on everybody in your fucking chat room. But fuck. <laughs> I tried to be nice and say, God bless you, Justin Childers, because I felt bad, because I am a Christian. I should set an example, but fuck, that guy pisses me off. I come in your chat room to support you, and that motherfucker goes, fuck you, Mark Taylor. And I just fucking came in and said, hi, what the <laughs> fuck, Justin Childers? Fuck you. <laughs> I came in there and you started me on a rant, you fucking asshole. Fuck, I hate yeah. that guy. 
Well, let's get into this underrated album by Rush, man. 1975's Careless is Still. It's their second album with Neil Peart on drums. The first album was uh, Fly By Night, which is an awesome fucking album. But this is the album where they went really, really progressive on. And we'll get into the first track, Bastille Day. What do you think about this track, Andrew? This is a, I love this song. Um, it's my second favorite song on the album. And uh, something about this song that I, I, at least my opinion anyway, is uh, to me, this song sounds very punk, like punk rock. And it's, and it's definitely a precursor to punk, although there's uh, a lot of debate as to uh, when punk actually started. Uh, but I, I do think that uh, this song has elements of punk to it. Um, but I also, um, I feel that uh, this album as a whole is very uh, new wave of British heavy metal sounding. And I know that new wave of British heavy metal had already started at that point. Judas Priest's first album came out the year prior, um, Rockarola in uh, 1974. Um, but uh, I definitely think that uh, Rush was an influence on new wave of British heavy metal, particularly with this album. But this is a great song. Yeah, this was an album way before British heavy metal. I think British heavy metal started in what eighty seventy nine. Yeah, when, Iron Maiden. Yeah, when it really came out, and Bastille Day is a fucking great song. It's uh, Rush's Led Zeppelin influence still prominent yeah. on this record. He yeah, said, I hear um, that as well. Discusses the storming of Bastille Bastille Day in the French Revolution. Instrumental section of the song was played during the R30 part of the R30 Overture. You know, fucking, I love this song. So we come to Bastille Day, the king will rise, my bloody Christ. I love this song. I love the way freaking the drum sound. I love the guitar solo by Alex Lifeson. Freaking Getty Lee's freaking trying to be like Robert Plant sounds awesome. I love it, man. It kicks ass. And then we get into the second song, which I think it's hilarious. I think yeah. I'm going bald. What do you think of this one? Uh, this one, this one's okay. It's uh, <laughs> definitely uh, of the time. It definitely sounds like a mid '70s type song. In fact, it actually sounds, although uh, this song precedes it by a year, uh, it reminds me a lot of the uh, Black Sabbath song "Rock and Roll Doctor" from uh, Technical Ecstasy which is actually a Sabbath song that I don't like. But uh, this song's okay. Um, you know, like, it's, uh, you know, typical mid-70s rock song. And, uh, you know, lyrics are kind of silly um, to be expected, you know, from, you know, mid-70s. But, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, this song was inspired by the song Going Blind by Kiss who Rush frequently toured with as an opening act in their earlier years. And it was also written for Canadian rocker Kim Mitchell, who was the frontman of the band Max Webster, close friend of Rush. So they put it on their album, but they actually wrote it for somebody else. It's kind of not like a Rush song, but I think it's funny. I I think I'm going bald, you know? It's just like, it's funny to hear Rush say something like that, you know? Because yeah, it is. They're really... Uh, what do you call it? intellectual? Intellectual. I'm just a little buzzed on a coke right now. So this is a great song. I like it. I think it's funny. It's like if you look at the Rush catalog, this is kind of a fluffy song for them. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's not like 
really written well. It's just like they they based it off a of kiss and wrote it for another group, but the group other group didn't use it. It's a cool song, man. I like it. It's fun. And Rush doesn't have many fun songs, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I like it. And then we get into track number three, Lakeside Park. What do you think of this one? This one's a this one's pretty good. Um, I I do like it better than I think I'm going bald. It's uh, kind of a uh, um, again, you know, uh, kind of a bit of a stereotypical mid '70s. Uh, rock song um but uh definitely uh you know i i like it i you know there's nothing wrong with it um and that's pretty much all i have to say i think it's a cool song it's talking about neil peart's childhood as a teenager growing up in a uh, uh, canadian holiday i guess it's victoria day and lakeside park itself is uh st Catharines, ohio where drummer he worked as a Worked during the summer there during as a teenager, so it was kind of like an autobiographical song for Neil Peart. You know, Lakeside Park, swimming in the breeze, you know, yeah, fireworks and stuff. It's like it's something he wrote. And I think it was cool, man, because he doesn't write many... He does write a lot of autobiographical songs. Ghostwriter from... Uh, 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 I can't remember the album right now. Fucking, I love that album. That's about him losing his wife and his kid. And just yeah. riding on his motorcycle through the, through the North America, man. That guy rides on his motorcycle through the tours, man. I just saw Time Stand Still about the documentary of their last tour, R40. And it made me cry, man, because they want, the other two want to tour, but Neil doesn't want to. He doesn't want to go out looking like a lame duck. You know? Yeah. And it just made me cry, but I hope they still make new albums, man, because... I don't know what I'd do without Rush, Rush's new music, man, because, like, I argue with somebody on a a Kiss, uh, I just wrote it on my page about fuck Led Zeppelin, fuck The Who, Rush has more class than anyone, and these guys are arguing with me, I go, dude, Rush makes new music that the fans want to hear, Kiss makes new music that they want to throw in a fucking trash can, yeah. and Led Zeppelin doesn't make any new music. And fucking the Who made a new album. Nobody cared about it, and they don't play it live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, "Fuck, man!" Rush is like one of the cla- they do it for the music. They do it for the fans. They don't change their sound to make money like Kiss has. Kiss went grunge. Kiss went disco. Mm-hmm. Kiss went everything. Kiss done everything. But fucking Rush made the music they want to make, and they didn't care about what people thought about it. That's what I like about them. And then, yeah. we, and then we get into their progressive rock number, the Inside One, the Necromancer. What do you think of this one? Well, this uh, this is my uh, favorite song. Uh, and it mostly because the, the thing that I like most about it is um, the, uh, the, mu- the, the music itself. Um, lyrically, uh, not really too much into the, 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 the lyrical content, but, um, it's, it's a little too Dungeons and Dragons for my taste. Um, but musically, uh, it, it's, it's awesome. There's a, there's a part where, uh, Neil Peart does a, a bit of a, uh, takes a bit of a solo. It's really cool. Uh, there's a part that uh, sounds a little bit like uh, the Who's Baba O'Reilly, and I know this song is broken up into three parts, 
and I don't know which part is which. Um, I have it digital. I bought it on uh, iTunes, so um, you know I just listened to it as the Necromancer. Um, it wasn't broken up into the three different parts, but yeah, this is a it's a great song. Yeah, it's broken up into three different parts. It's twelve minutes and thirty four seconds. It's their prog rock, where they started going proggy. And it, it's like uh, part one is Into the Darkness, which is four minutes and 20 seconds. And you got Under the Shadow, which is four minutes and 25 seconds. And you got Return of the Prince, which is 351 seconds. This song was inspired by The Lord of the Rings. Did you know oh, that? I didn't know that. Yeah, this is inspired about the uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's literally mythology. The Necromancer was a presidium used by Tolkien in The Hobbit for the character Sauron. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes it's, sense. It's a really good song. Man. I I like it. And in the fourth, uh, let's see. I have my notes here. I had to write notes about this because this is like a really really underrated song by this band. Underrated album by this band, followed by Fly By Night. What is it? The lead that Alex plays in the Necromancer is freaking incendiary, man. Yeah. Oh my God, he plays such a great lead in this song. He is such an underrated guitar player. I put him in my top five, man. He is yeah. so good. He is so underrated because you have Geddy Lee on bass and you have Neil Peart on drums. And I said he gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah, yeah. There's the yeah, I, and in fact, yeah, I was. You just reminded me that the, his 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 guitar playing is also what makes it my favorite song on the album. Yeah, he freaking kicks ass, man. I love him. And then we get into side two, which is one long song in six parts. The Fan the Fountain of Lamrith. What do you think of this one? Uh, this is my uh, third favorite uh, song on the album. Uh, for pretty much the same reasons. Uh, I like it for the same reasons as I, um, the Necromancer. It's uh, the, Musically, it's really fucking awesome. Um, and again, uh, I don't know which, I know this is in, uh, looks like six parts, uh, and I don't know which, you know, again, I, I just listened to it as one long song, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, musically, it's really cool, uh, lyrically, uh, not really my cup of tea, um, you know, I, I used to actually be more into, like, uh, I guess Lord of the Rings type, uh, song lyrics, uh, but I think I've kind of lost my uh, my taste for them. Um, so uh, yeah, it's but it's still a great song in any case. I mean, j just you know, music based uh, you know on the music alone. Yeah, it comes in six parts. Where number one is in the valley, which is four minutes of eighteen song, eighteen minutes, and then you got dig tracks and Nautrots, which is a minute. And then number three is No One at the Bridge. And then part four is Pancrea. And then part five is Bakras Plateau. And then part six is The Fountain, which is three minutes and 50 seconds. And I'm reading on this song of, on uh, Wikipedia. It says the final song on the album, The Fountain of Labyrinth, predates epics like 2112 and Cygnus X1. And is only 34 seconds shorter than 2112. And is the epic song Rush I recorded 
consisting of six parts which form a complete story about a man in search of the fountain of Lamrith, chronicling individual occurrences of his journey. And uh, it says Dickrets and Naprites, recording Dickrets and Naprites, which only consist of a drum solo in 1991, news release from the Rush Backstage Club. Hilbert said, okay, I may have answered this before, but if not, shouted words in that song represent argument between our hero and the Dickrets and Naprites, teachers and parents. I honestly can't remember what the actual words were, but they took opposite positions like work, live, earn, give, and like that, a dictate is a teacher. Dapperit is an anagram of a parent. Interesting. Yeah, and, and I have a note on this song, too. Let's see where it is. Do, do, do. I wrote notes. Uh, what is it? The drum solo around 14 minutes and 59 seconds. The drums sound fucking killer where he's going. You know, the drum rolls he's doing in that part. Yeah. Fucking killer. I love that shit. This is not one of the best Rush albums, but it's not a bad Rush album. There's not one Rush album I like. What are your thoughts on this Rush album as a whole, uh, Andrew? Well, I like it. Um, it's uh, my, my least favorite of the three that I've heard. I definitely prefer uh, uh, Moving Pictures and Counterparts. And I... I, I um, I, I definitely prefer their the way I guess their their sound um, in the uh, 80s and 90s uh, as opposed to the 70s. Again, I, I still have to listen to more albums to you know fully make up my mind. But just based on the three albums that I've heard, um, I prefer their their uh, later stuff. But this is still a great album. Yeah. This- they really haven't made a bad album, and this is my least favorite album by them, but I still love it. I still go back to it now and then, and this album was only certified gold in the United States and Canada, and it only positioned it at 148, and you know this album was dedicated to the memory of Rod Searling. <laughs> yeah, I saw that on Wikipedia. Yeah, and graphics by Hume Sign, Hume Sign, man. This guy does great graphics, man. What a great artist he is. Yeah, the so, cover's really awesome. Yeah, so what do you? What are your favorite three songs? I think I got them, but my pen ran out. <laughs> um, uh, the Necromancer is number one, uh, Bastille Day number two, and The Fountain of Lamneth number three. Okay, so Necromancer number one, Bastille Day number two, and The Fountain of Lambeth number three. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions for our fans to listen to? Uh, any uh, album suggestions? Yeah, um, uh, it's, uh, this one's a bit. Uh, this one's a bit of a of a pricey one. Well, it's actually pricey if you want uh, uh, all three uh, volumes. Uh, it is the uh, the Beatles anthology box set, um, and uh, I, I bought it on uh, iTunes for eighty bucks. Um, but uh, you can buy, there's three different uh, volumes to it, and you can buy them individually on Amazon. And prices are uh, pretty reasonable on uh, Amazon as far as the CD and uh, even the vinyl. I guess for today's uh, vinyl prices, the, the vinyl is uh, pretty reasonably priced as well on Amazon. But uh, be, uh, the Beatles are my favorite band of all time, and um, I've, li- I've heard... Uh, 
the Be- the Beatles stereo box set. I've heard the Beatles mono box set. So um, I figured I would uh, I'd give this uh, a whirl. And basically, what it is is it's got a bunch of uh, demos and alternate versions of uh, all the pretty a lot almost all of the songs from all of the Beatles uh, studio albums. Uh, as well as uh, some de- some unreleased songs, songs that had not been released prior to these anthologies. And uh, I mean, if you're a Beatles nutswinger, um, it's uh, it's definitely something you want to check out. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me. Yeah, I'm a Beatles nutswinger. My first albums I got was the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's, Lonely Hearts Club Band, and Foreigner Double Vision. I've always, the Beatles are my number three group. I got Rush number one, Tesla number two, and the Beatles number three. I love the Beatles. There's not one song I don't like by the Beatles. Yeah. Me, oh yeah, there is the George Harrison fucking sitar songs, but (laughs) (laughs) that's about it, man. But fucking Paul McCartney is my favorite Beatle. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, I just got we, uh, Wingspan from frickin' uh, on vinyl. I fucking love it. <laughs> yeah, Wings are rad too. I've only heard, uh, I've only heard, actually heard one Wings album, uh, Band on the Run. I need to check them out. Yeah, all the Wings albums are great, Andrew. You need to check them out. Maybe we should do podcasts on them because yeah. I love Wings, man. You know, I love the song Let Them In. You know, someone's yeah. knocking at the door, someone's ringing the bell. I love that song, <laughs> man. It's a freaking killer song. And the album I got to suggest today is the freaking new Metallica, Hardwired to Self-Destruct. That album kicked me in the balls and I'm still fucking hurting. Fucking album kicks ass. It's like old Metallica. But I'll tell you one thing. I like all Metallica, even Lulu. I don't like St. Anger. But the songs are good on St. Anger. But the fucking production is terrible, Bob Rock. And the drum sound sounds like you're hitting fucking Oscar, Oscar the Grouch trash cans. <laughs> and there's no Kirk Hammett solos. If you guys would redo that album with solos and the new drum sound, those songs would kick fucking ass. But the new album kicks fucking ass. And I think you guys redid Lords of Summer for the third disc, the bonus tracks. Fuck, that song kicks ass. I hated the version that came out two years ago. It was like weak, but the new Lords of Summer fucking is thrashy as hell. I fucking love it. Great fucking album. Return to form Metallica, but I liked everything you fucking done. Even Load and Reload. Fuck those haters. I like fucking you guys changing. I don't like a band or people that want bands to stay in the past and a fucking rehashing their old riffs, man. Fucking, you need to change. You need to grow. And I like how you guys have grown. And I fucking like, even the new album is grown up, man. Even though it's back to thrash, you still have some fucking Robert Trujillo is fucking great on bass. Fucking, what's his name? The bass player after Clinton Burton. I can't remember his name right now. Jason Newstead. Jason Newstead. Fucking Trujillo fucking wipes your ass off the board, buddy. Fucking Trujillo and suicidal tendencies and infectious grooves. He's a fucking great bass player. Newstead, I liked your Newstead album. That was a fucking hard-ass album. But then you pussied out and fucking quit metal and went to some fucking blue shit. Fuck you, Jason Newstead. Fucking 
fucking start making metal. You're all claiming metal is life, and then you fucking make shit music. What the fuck? Newstead was a great album, and then you start doing all this fucking shit music again. Fuck, I love the Black Album. I know people, well, unpopular metal opinions, like Ralph always says. <laughs> but fuck, the Black Album is good. It's a hard rock album. It might be thrash, but it's fucking good. Fuck, nothing else matters, but fucking Wolf and Man and fucking um, the other songs on that song are fucking awesome. They're fucking hard as shit. I saw them on that tour twice, three times. I saw them with the Guns N' Roses at the Coliseum in L.A., Fucking Guns N' Roses fucking sucked. They were the closing band. I stayed for you guys, Metallica. You guys kicked ass and fucking Guns N' Roses came out. Fucking Axel threw a hissy fit and the sound sounded like shit. We fucking walked out. <laughs> fuck you, Guns N' Roses. You're probably good now, but fuck when I saw trying to see you guys. Twice, you guys fucking blue chunks. <laughs> fuck, man. I wanted to see fucking Appetite for Destruction, not fucking bitch, bitch, bitch. Fuck. <laughs> and I like fucking uh, Use Your Illusions 1 and 2. There's some songs that are fucking suck. But fuck, you guys are idiots. I'm glad you guys are back together. Now fucking break Adler back and make a new album. <laughs> and Anything's possible. Yeah. I just want to say, fuck, thank you for being on the show again, Andrew. I, I appreciate you. Oh, sure. No, I love being I love uh, being a guest on uh, Freeform Rock Podcast. Yeah, and I was being made fun of because of the name, Freeform Rock Podcast, by Rob Fierde. So, fuck, no. the name sucks. Fuck, no. I just want to do Freeform because Freeform means I say the, what the fuck I want. Yeah. <laughs> I no, do I... what the fuck I want. I'm not in a fucking box. I could do Duran Duran and go to Metallica the next week. Fucking yeah. Boingo Boingo. Fuck. I do anything this rock. I don't put myself in a box, man. Yeah, speaking of Boingo Boingo, I loved your uh, Dead Man's Party episode. That really brought me back. I hadn't, I hadn't, I'd, I'd, I think the last time I actually listened to that album was like th about 30 years ago, and I'd forgotten how great those songs are, th those songs were. I got to go back and get all those boingo albums they were great you should grab boingo alive yeah i've heard i've heard uh, cinderella undercover and uh the other uh songs on there i i need to just get them all i was a huge fan back you know back in the day but yeah, yeah they, they're great they recorded those songs live in the studio and i think the those songs the original tracks those songs kicked the original tracks ass I'm only disappointed because they didn't do Weird Science because I do love that song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those that two CD set is so fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, fucking I'm just going to buy them all. Yeah, you just buy them all, dude. I like everything. I got nothing to fear. I got only a lad. Look at Jenny Elfman. Fucking genius, man. Bat, yeah. the, the soundtracks he's done, the musical he's done. I put him up there with the freaking, what's that guy's name from Star Wars? Um, John Williams. John Williams, man. He fucking's up there with John Williams, man. He's a yeah. great freaking Batman movies, Beetlejuice movies, anything oh, team Tim Burton, man. Or even Simpsons. The, the Spider-Man <laughs> movies. Come on, man. This guy's a fucking musical genius. I wish him and Steve Bartek would get back together. Steve Bartek is a fucking underrated guitar player, man. That guy plays fucking awesome, man. He's got the guitar sound that nobody has 
Yeah, they were so they were just a great fucking band through and through. Do you remember that freaking uh, Bud Budweiser commercial where him and Steve Bartek did this Bud's for you and they were on a plane and playing shit? I don't remember great. that. Yeah, it sucks that Oingo Boingo is only famous in California, man. <laughs> yeah, fuck, That's they're true. great. I saw them on their Halloween thing at the freaking Universal Amphitheater. At uh, Irvine Meadows, Irvine Meadows, which those theaters are both gone now, which depresses me, because I've seen a lot of great shows at both those venues. Yeah, I've, I've yeah, I saw them at Irvine Meadows in I think uh, 1988. It was one of the Halloween shows. Yeah, man, freaking Dan- Danny Elfman did a. Um, he was doing the music of Danny Elfman, and he brought Bartek up, and they played Dead Man's Party, and everybody went crazy. Yeah. Great fuck, fucking man. songs. Danny, Great songwriter. Danny, get the fucking band together. We need a new album. We need a new tour. Or just fucking tour, man. Just tour <laughs> Pasadena. That's all we need, man. We'll go. Yeah. Fuck, I love Oingo Boingo, man. One of my favorite yeah. bands since I was fucking nine. I love them. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks for being on the show again, uh, Andrew, man. And uh, we'll get you back on again. You know we will. <laughs> yeah. Looking forward to it. All right, man. Have a great day. All right, you too. All right, bye. Bye bye. As gray traces of dawn tinge the eastern sky, the three travelers, men of Willowdale, emerge from the forest shadow. Fording the river dawn, they turn south, journeying into the dark and forbidding lands of the Necromancer. Even now, the intensity of his dread power can be felt, weakening the body and saddening the heart. Ultimately, they will become empty, mindless specters. Stripped of will and soul, only their thirst for freedom gives them hunger for vengeance. Thank you.
birds announce the dawn Three travelers fought the river And southward journey on The road is lined with peril The air is charged with fear The shadow of
Enter the champion. Prince Pythor appears. To battle for freedom from chains of long years. The spell has been broken. The dark lands are bright. The wraith of the necromancer soars away in the night. we
bar I am me I am new I am free Look at me Thank you. 
Those are some kick-ass tracks. Now I want to promote some podcasts from my friends. We got Metal Raps. We got the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck, Rob Vieira, and Ian Wadley. One-on-one with Mitch LaFon. Talking Metal, Cheap Trick with Cheap Track with Ken Mills. And in Podkiss, The Kiss Room. Focus on Metal, Decibel Geek with Aaron. With Aaron Camaro and uh, Chris Sinzak. And in Zilch, a Monkeys Podcast. And then I'd like to also promote the Eddie Trunk Podcast and the Cassius Morris Show, man. These guys are kick-ass podcasts, and I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast, and God bless, man.